This is Face the Music, an ELO song-by-song podcast. Episode 096, The Way Life's Meant to Be. Meant to Be is the fifth track on time. The song was recorded at the Polar Studios, the Stockholm recording studio formed by the male half of ABBA. In a 1981 episode of Interview with Jim Ladd, Jeff Lynne said, It's a pretty pessimistic view of it. Yeah, it seemed to be on that song, yeah. You know, in that particular song, it's like walking down the same street that it was before, like, say, 100 years before. But even though he's standing on the same bit of ground, everything that he knew is like, Buried under this new sh- you know, this growing up. On top of it, all these plastic ivory towers and stuff. Ah, the castanets. It was a bit Russian, but we put castanets on and it comes Spanish. In a 1981 interview with Perth Radio 6 p.m., Bev Bevan said, It's got a very definite 60s sort of feel to it. It was recorded with almost that intention. We had a Phil Spector type production and arrangement in our minds when we did it. On April 25th, 2017, Stephen Hyden wrote on the Up Rocks website, In ELO's prime, Lynn was fearless when it came to combining seemingly incongruous elements. The Beatles and disco, acoustic guitars and synthesizers, old-fashioned song craft and UFOs. On time, ELO co-mingled songs like Yours Truly 2095 and Ticket to the Moon with The Way Life's Meant to Be, a blissful slice of brill-building pop that sounds like it was produced by Phil Spector on Mars. At the end of the 80s, Lynn would essentially replicate the sound of The Way Life's Meant to Be with The Traveling Wilburys and on Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever. Life. Don't talk to me about life. I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsenson. This is an ELO song that doesn't sound like any ELO song before or after. It's got sort of a a flamenco kind of guitar or flamingo. It's flamenco, isn't it? Flamenco, yes. It's it's co, not go, not the bird. Right. If you put in go, then all of a sudden PETA starts protesting your shows. Yeah, you really shouldn't be strumming a big pink bird in the recording studio. That's... As far as I know, that's not one of Jeff's kinks, but really we don't know much about his private life. That's true. A little sidetracked. It's got a flamenco guitar here and also castanets. There's never been castanets in an ELO song, and there never will be again. It gives it sort of a Spanish sound to it, which in some of the stuff I read, they said this and the other one that was like this, that had sort of a Spanish sound, was Across the Border, which I don't quite see. Across the Border does have a smattering of mariachi horns, but it's pretty much just a straight-out rock song. Whereas this one, that guitar carries through the whole song to give it that kind of sort of Spanish kind of sound. As with the best Jeff Lynne songs, there are little bits that aren't super important, but they really do help make the song more catchy that I like, like the uh, 
little bits of during the uh, instrumental breaks. And for the first time, the guitar solo in this, the guitar sounds like something a lot like Dwayne Eddy. And I think there's a little nod to Del Shannon in here, because near the end, Jeff sings... I know how much Jeff loves Dell. Is that sort of like a, a reference to Runaway, where Dell sings? All of this put together makes for an ELO song that doesn't sound like any ELO song before or since, and a really great freaking song. I freaking love the song. It's it's fantastic. Yes, it is. Yeah, the castanets and everything, the tiny bit of a Spanish influence in there, but the way the castanets are done, if you listen to old Phil Spector recordings, mm-hmm. he often added in castanets on top of the uh, percussion as well, especially, say, Be My Baby. You'll hear that in that. That seems to be kind of what they were going for here, and I was looking up on the Jeff Lynne database as well, and Bev Bevan even kind of confirms that, that they were going for kind of a 60s Phil Spector feel to this song. Because that's the first thing I started hearing when I started hearing the castanets. I wasn't thinking flamenco music. I was <laughs> thinking, ah, oh, it sounds like they were trying to do the wall of sound thing here. Yeah, and, and when I read that in the, the database, I was like, oh yeah, I can hear that now. And it's just so obvious that I was like, why didn't I pick up on that before? Yeah, the thing is, though, is that I think Jeff Lynne's doing a better job of it because probably about the most contemporary Phil Spector of the time, well, about a year before this album came out, was the Ramones' End of the Century. Oh, yeah. And by then, Phil Spector was just known as throwing in tons and tons of stuff for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> because Wall of Sound never really worked in stereo. It worked for mono. He was good for producing something that sounded good when you had to do all that layering in mono, but when it went to stereo, it just sounded like somebody had spent way too much time bothering and overproducing everything right. to the point to where it just turned out to be mush. Right. Which is the complaint about the long and winding road a lot of times. But Jeff Lynn, however, includes the specterisms in there where you can tell where the influence is. But in the end, he has enough foresight to hold back on some of the worst instincts that Spectre had at the time and not just layer a bunch of unnecessary instruments in there, leaving the basic catchy song, which I don't understand why it wasn't a bigger hit off of here because I guess it was released as a single and completely flopped in the UK and never got over here in the US. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand why it bombed in in the UK either. Judging by how it did in Europe, I guess I can understand why they didn't release it in America, but this should have been released as a single instead of Twilight. This was more a chart-friendly kind of song had a better chance of charting than the synthesizer techno sonic assault that Twilight was. In my head, and a lot of times my head doesn't match reality, I can see this actually doing way much better than Twilight did. It did get airplay. Right. I remember KDKB playing it, and that was an album rock station, so they're going to play some of the, the deep cuts on the album. But I also heard KZZP play it. They used to play this a lot in the uh, the last couple months of 1981. 
and KZZP was not an album rock station. They weren't full on top 40, but if it wasn't released as a single from their selected list of artists that they play on the station, they didn't really do album cuts, unless their morning DJ decided to be silly and play something, something silly. Again, in my head, a much better choice for a single than Twilight. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was the order in which they released stuff Mm -hmm. as singles. Because I could see this being a perfect follow-up to Hold On Tight. Oh, it would have been great, yeah. Yeah, because you got that big, huge, energetic song of Hold On Tight that sounds a lot more traditionally ELO, and then you follow it up with a more mid-tempo song like this. Yeah, the thing about that, this doesn't sound like anything that ELO has done or ever did before. It doesn't sound like anything else on the album. If I didn't know better, I would say this was somebody else cribbing the ELO sound. Because obviously it sounds ELO-y, but it's so different from so many other ELO songs. This is something I wish Jeff Lynne would remember, by the way, that uh, it's really great if your songs are great, but they also don't sound like everything else that is on the album or the previous three albums that you've done. Exactly. However, as different as it sounds, it still keeps up the story concept of the album, because he's just walking around remembering what he's left behind and wishing again that he was back in 1981. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I got nostalgic for 1981 when 1982 began. I think even by the end of 81, I was nostalgic for 81. So every time Jeff sings, I wish I was back in 1981. It's like you put a drill in my head and pulled out that thought that's always there in my gourd for the last long time years. I'd rather not think about how far away 1981 is. And also this is something yeah. else that just hit me about this song. He's only been in 2095 for a day. Because he sings, Although it's only a day since I was taken I just, I always kind of thought by the time we hit the song, he's been in 2095 for maybe a couple days, maybe a week or something, because he's got time to be all walking around and bummed out about how everything is plowed under and placed with ivory towers and plastic flowers. But in one day, he's already like, man, I missed 1981. What happened to everything? Why does it look like this now? And nobody notices some guy walking around dressed like it's 1981 in 2095. No, wearing his designer jeans and satin shirt and... Leg warmers and headband? And where did he get a robot that quickly? That's the other thing, too. He's only been there for a day, and did they assign him a fembot? I I don't know. Uh, Maybe Amazon's still around, and and Prime can get you a robot within a day? I don't know. Uh, Uh, Of course, he would not have even known what Amazon was back in 1981. No, no, he would not. Actually, hey, that would be a perfect concept, to get an Amazon from Amazon. There you go. Within a day, he's already met and, I don't know about falling in love, but... Some kind of attachment yeah, with a... F- I thought you are going to do another F word. ...formed an attachment with a fembot, and he's been to the moon and back. The future moves really fast, or the Earth has slowed its rotation so days last longer in 2095. So maybe that's why it's only a day, and he's already fembot and been to the moon and back. Yeah, because in 2020, it takes me at least 45 minutes to convince myself to get out of bed. I'm not out looking for robots and heading to the moon. I'm just going, oh, God. Do I have to go to work? Yeah. Then again, you naturally moved through time into 2020. You weren't just suddenly, fam, go from 1980 to 2020, because I'm going to kind of like want to get up and explore. I already know what's out there in 2020. I want to know what's going on in 2095. True. That's true. Yeah. Got something to say about the way life's meant to be? Yes. 
You do? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. Was it a hit or was it... The Way Life's Meant to Be was released as a single in the UK in March 1982 with Wishing as the B-side. It was the first ELO single that did not chart in England since Knight Rider in March 1976. In Germany though, it reached number 30 on the Media Control Singles Chart. It was covered by Volker Lechenbrink in 1981 and Peter Orloff also in 1981. It was parodied in 1984 by the Loons Till Death as The Way School's Meant to Be. It's time for a great line from ELO from this week's song. What's my line? Mm. As I gaze around these strangers in town, I guess the only stranger is me. And I wonder, yes, I wonder, is this the way life's meant to be? Hi, this is Troy. The way life's meant to be reminds me of something that Eric and Eric said in the episode about Need Her Love. They said that that song provided a clue as to who Jeff's favorite Beatle was, George Harrison. Well, I definitely agree with that, and I think the way life's meant to be seconds that in a way, because I can completely see George recording this on most any of his albums. I think it would have fit on All Things Must Pass, and I think it would have best fit on Cloud Nine. I think it would have been an excellent track on there. Also, I think this would have been a great fit for the Traveling Wilburys. George singing lead on it, Roy singing lead, or better yet, George and Roy doing a duet. I think that would have sounded so good. And I can also see Roy Orbison doing this as a solo work if he had lived long enough to do another album with Jeff producing. And a second point, last week I mentioned that I thought that Jeff was providing through the story on this album a cautionary tale about an over-reliance on technology. I compared it to the movie Metropolis, the novel Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And though I don't think Jeff is any more anti-tech than I am, I do think that there is a warning that we should heed as we become more tech-savvy in this world. And when you think that when Jeff wrote this album, I think probably 1980, most of what we take for granted today hadn't even been conceived of. I mean, cell phones... They were those huge monstrosities like the phone Gordon Gecko used in Wall Street. And social media, well, Steve Jobs might have thought of it after dropping some acid, but I mean, really, I don't even think Jobs could have conceived of what that's become. I think it would be interesting if Jeff might consider releasing a sequel to this album, or maybe a bonus edition with some bonus tracks, special edition bonus tracks, addressing the whole topic of social media in the year 2095. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't want to do it, but I think that would be an interesting angle to add to this story. But anyway, that's all for this week. I'll see you next week. This is Troy. The rogue scientist convinced the authorities on Satellite 2 to let Bruce go. He was returned to Earth, but not just any place on Earth. It was his old hometown. 
Despite the towers of glass and hover cars, he could still recognize his old stomping grounds from 1981. It was then that Bruce had an idea. If he can't get back to his beloved Julie in 1981, maybe they could bring her to 2095. And that's when he saw her walking towards him. Not in his mind's eye, but here, in 2095. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? I like this song. Wow, she liked it! Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELO pod. Next week, episode 097, Another Heart Breaks. <laughs>